you know how I see it is it goes back to personal work that what we see outside is a reflection of something inside of us. Mm-hmm. The issue with the world is that greed and selfishness has took over and a lot of people are trying to change the world with which they fail to change themselves. Right. You know, and I believe as in in personal level, what we can do is to work on ourselves mm-hmm. by pointing outside and the issues outside and not looking at ourselves we, we are not able to solve anything right so it's a personal work and rising our vibration and having an optimistic view towards life at the personal level that rises the vibration and i see that uh, to rise uh, raise that vibration is the, the the main level would be forgiveness Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Jack. Today's guest is artist, poet, shaman, and martial arts expert, Yahuma. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review on the podcast platform of your choice. Your opinions matter, and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. A big thank you to our premier sponsors, Bioptimizers, Paleo Valley, Organifi, our podcast sponsors, Ned and Wild Pastures, and our preferred product sponsor, Peak Life. Their support is essential in producing this podcast, and we hope you will show your support by visiting them online and trying all the amazing products they produce. Please check the show notes for links and details. The topic of today's conversation with Paul and Yahuma is meeting the invisible. From the east, the place of the rising sun and new beginnings, we call upon the light of a new earth nation to rise as one people on one planet, rising into expanded awareness and greater vision for the greater good of all. And so it is. From the south, the highest place of the sun, shining equally on all of us and all of our relations in all kingdoms, we call upon the light of unconditional love and compassion to awaken in our hearts and shine through our thoughts, words, and actions with joy, ease, and grace for the healing of humankind. And so it is. From the West, the place of the setting sun and inner vision, through introspection, we call upon the inner light to tune in and come in tune with source within realizing our true nature of infinite potential and divine essence. And so it is. From the north, the place of the night sky portal, to the celestial light bleeding throughout the dimensional gateways of the stars, we call upon the wisdom and strengths of our ancestors who walked this earth before us, reminding us that soon we will be ancestors to our children's children and therefore call to step into true guardianship of our body and home planet, this sacred mother earth, to protect and preserve the elements of life for the future generations. And so it is. From below, we call upon the light of life, 
caring us, nourishing us, sheltering us, this sacred Mother Earth who lend us her earthen robe so we can see her beauty, feel her heartbeat, hear her song, smell her fragrance, taste her delight, and touch her in a sacred manner, co-creating and sharing a new earth of good health, well-being, abundance and prosperity for all of our relations in all kingdoms within earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And so it is. From above, we call upon the light of the great mystery as pure consciousness, expanding and ever unfolding in myriad forms emanations through our alignment to the most high within us. And in all sentient beings, we recognize the divine in one another, awakening to the truth that there is only one of us here. And so it is. And from within, we call upon the light we are to awaken the light in one another. We are stepping now and here into the love we are, reclaiming the sovereign throne of our hearts as queens and kings of our lives, in alignment to source within, above, below, and all around us as it is, to fulfill our true purpose of being for the greater good of all. From here and now onwards, we are called to remember the sacred laws and universal principles of love and respect for all living beings in all worlds. And so it is. Welcome to Meeting the Invisible with my great friend, someone who I love dearly, have tremendous respect for. His name is Yahuma. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. It's great to have you with me. I was introduced to Yahuma by uh, someone who you may know, Danny Way, the great skateboard star. Yahuma has a lot of talents. He's one of the most well-rounded people I've ever known. His art is mind-blowing. He is probably one of the most powerful shaman I've ever known and worked with. He's a martial artist. He makes music's music. He works with gemstones and a variety of other things. He's a poet. He's one of those rare people that has a lot of God running through his blood vessels. I can tell you that, and you're about to find out. To begin with, Yehuma, I'd love it if you can share what your name means. It's a very interesting name. Yes, so I can expand on that. Yehuma would be equivalent to divine spirit mind. So the Yah would be representation of the divine and the Hu would be representation of the spirit, like the Hu, like mm-hmm. the breath and yeah. the spirit. And the Ma would be the mind. Mm. So divine spirit mind. Mm, that covers it. <laughs> That's everything. <laughs> Great. Now, you know, you're kind of a well-kept secret i that's the only way i can describe it especially having not only seen your art but you gave me a beautiful piece for my birthday which blew my mind and i 
I have it up on my blackboard right next to my Czech Life Pros Al Alchemy Master Diagram. And I was quite blown away when I came in here to put it down until I could hang it because it's a pretty big piece. And I looked up and saw my Check Life Process Alchemy diagram and I looked at your art and I went, my God, he has been climbing around inside of my mind. And uh, all my friends that have seen that have been quite surprised by that. And they all say the same thing. Did, did, has he ever seen your alchemy system before? I said, no, he hasn't. <laughs> well, yes, he has, but not <laughs> physically. And the other thing is, Yehuma does his art freehand, and if you saw it, it would blow your mind to know that someone can do this freehanded. And so there's a lot of amazing things about him, and we've had some great times together, and we have a lot of the same values, and we just enjoy each other's company. And I'd love it if, Yehuma, you can give us a background or an overview of your life and share how all these amazing talents of yours develop, because... You know, for a guy with the level of skill you have in so many areas, it's kind of a misnomer because you're not that old. How old are you? Uh, 39. 39. Yeah, you got about 150 years of wisdom walking <laughs> around in you, maybe 1,050, I don't know. So I'm just curious. I'd love the listeners to know too how, how tell us, take us through a journey of your life and how all this came through you and does come through you because you're also quite a mystic. I don't, do you ever consider yourself a mystic? I can. <laughs> <laughs> you can. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. he's a very humble guy, uh, Yahuma. If you if you met him, you would you would he's he's kind of funny cuz you would just you never know what's standing in front of you, but when he <laughs> once he starts talking or channeling or things like that, it's like what in the world's going on? And so uh cuz you have all the qualities of a, a real mystic and I've been in your presence experiencing these things and i'm not a guy that's easy to impress but you've certainly stood the little hair i have on end multiple <laughs> times so yeah why don't you give us an overview of your life and just how all these talents of yours developed sure um i can start from my childhood and i, I was born in iran tehran middle of iran iraq war mm, that's so, an intense place to be born yeah <laughs> So it was, yes, as you said, it was like an interesting time to be born in the middle of that chaos. And, uh, you know, from early age, like I could sense, sense something within me uh, vibrating and a sense of knowing at an early age that you could categorize it as a, like a clairvoyance, which I would, wouldn't know how to share it. Would, so I would keep it to myself like it was interesting because i would know when people would call or before even they say something i would say it in my head and they would say it and it kind of like i thought everyone can do that mm -hmm. you know around me uh, it was a talent that i had but i didn't know i have it mm -hmm. and i wouldn't share it I, I didn't even share it with my mom that what's going on in my head <laughs> and i'm like reading people's energies and people coming around me i can sense their feelings and emotions which sometimes would be too much for my age holding it all that within me so i'm like i was raised in a like a middle class family sufi dad amazing human being that he was a mountain climber 
and would take me to mountains and we would explore the nature and he was very powerful at the same time very humble and grounded mm. and you could barely see him talk he was a good very good listener and he also was a winemaker oh yes so he that was his medicine so he uh, at the end of the September, like he would go and pick these amazing grapes from different farms, and our house would turn to a like a like he would like lay all these grapes around the floors everywhere, and we would be part of the process of wine making to, mm. to let them like get the moisture out, and then he would put it in these containers, and he had this ritual of going there and massaging them with the, his hand, and like do the prayers and giving them love there and he we had this pantry underneath and we had like aged wine for like 20 years yeah, you that's know? cool so, and and this is in the middle of basically islamic <laughs> revolution you know wow so he would tell us that like don't ever go to school and tell your friends what's going on there otherwise you will be arrested here yeah so you know as you know like in the country like the, within the islamic revolution after the revolution the alcoholic beverages were completely banned so yeah. you cannot have it legally basically people would come to our home like the families and relatives and he would go and like open a, like a choose a bottle and then come and serve it to, to to the guests and they would have poetry music dance and such an amazing dynamic of like using as his medicine to to bring good vibrations to mm. to others growing up witnessing that at the same time outside our home we are looking at this dogmatic religious understanding that everything is forbidden and like you shouldn't touch this at the same time my dad is a, he's a sufi you know so mm. i mean knowing that understanding is like it's almost they would categorize him as a heretic mm -hmm. of like because your religion is saying that it's forbidden but he was seeing beyond that so he mm. was like aware of like what is the intention behind it right. you know, and seeing it as a medicine so I witnessed that in an early age and, uh, you know, my mom went through a spiritual awakening. Uh, she was a hairdresser and suddenly she went through this spiritual awakening and her psychic ability suddenly developed and she has been practicing. She's a seer and, mm. and a psychic and powerful one for past 30 years now. That's amazing. Yes. And so that's the father and the, the mother's side. And from my... Uh, mother's side the grandfather was a butcher and he was like uh, he had a butcher shop small butcher shop in in the neighborhood and everyone respected him like as like his like the presence and the job that he was doing he was providing meat for the whole neighborhood and he was actually slaughtering the animals mm. so growing up i witnessed the the spiritual practice of slaughtering animals and and communicating with them and understanding that this is a this is a way of returning back to 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 the human consciousness as as a way of sacrifice of an animal and the meat you know everyone likes to eat the food and the kebabs but no one likes to slaughter the animal no so he was carrying that role as as someone who was doing that job and it was after around doing that job for 40 years he he also went through an 
spiritual awakening and uh, he closed his shop he went back to his village and he started studying like herbal medicine from scratch the things from his land and he started practicing herbology and herbal medicine and and healing people from different uh, form of ailments and that's been going on for past almost 35 years now and he's in his uh, 90s right now you have a lot of alchemy in your family yeah i mean <laughs> transformation <laughs> yeah so that was the that's a background about my father mother grandfather and my grandmother my mom's mom was a super spiritual human being and he she was more into the orthodox religion mm-hmm. she was so she but she was uh, always growing up i saw her as this pure light of energy and integrity and beauty i was witnessing her i spent a lot of time with my grandmother and my grandfather i would wake up early in the morning and she was always like 4 35 o'clock in the morning she was in meditation and prayer mm. and i would walk into the room i would see these sparkles of light and and the aura around her but at that time i couldn't understand like what's going on there and that was the energy of the purity and saintlyhood that mm. she was carrying as a human being it's amazing that was important part of my spiritual understanding to see all these elements that my dad is a Sufi, my mother is a seer and psychic, and the f- grandfather, in his way, is a powerhouse, and whole town looks up to him, mm. and uh, he's a healer. And my grandmother is the like the the foundation of our family. That is like the the purest elements of our family that holds everyone together. Mm. so it's uh, neat yes so and it's i have good a, soil you come yeah. from there bun <laughs> thank you and uh, uh we're two brothers uh an older brother uh, six years older than me we had uh, beautiful dynamics and and growing up i was kind of ahead of my age so i would always hang out with my brother's friends so all of my brother's friends were my close friends so i was like five six years kind of ahead of my age so that also led me to kind of like with the intensity of the emotions and energies that were flowing through me i kind of like found a way to kind of numb myself because i didn't know how to share it who to share it so at the early age i started drinking alcohol oh i didn't know that yeah so it was like 14 years old Mm. and like but hidden so from the family because Mm. it was something that like basically it's a taboo and like in the society like you know it's not acceptable but that would help me to kind of numb myself numb my senses to kind of calm myself down and the of the energy that I was like dealing with you know sometimes it would be like especially when I was alone at home these voices would come in into my head and start talking to me so intensely it almost becomes like bothering me and it was only happening when I was like alone by myself and I couldn't understand why what what they are communicating with me. So that was like the spiritual like channels that were like you know opening for me. And at the early age, I didn't have any understanding around it. And uh, you know, I chose to just hold it to myself and not share it 
with anyone and it continued throughout my like uh, early childhood uh, till i was 17 years old when i left the country my parents decided that the environment there is too toxic for me and i'm too kind of a wild of a child to <laughs> to to be safe in this environment so they kind of gave me the option to leave the country and the closest option would uh, was at the time was turkey mm. so at the age of 17 i left my family and went to turkey mm. and i started i prepared for university there so when i was in iran um, i had put into math school you know because like the traditional families like and the situation in iran they would encourage everyone to go towards either medical or science or engineering or become a doctor mm -hmm. and you know i was good at maths and physics but it was something there that i it wasn't mine it was uh, kind of running running away from it it wasn't natural Mm -hmm. And same thing happened when I went to Turkey. I was encouraged to to get into one of the highest levels of science universities, which is called Middle East Technical Universities, like equivalent to maybe MIT in okay. United States. And I studied for that and I got into physics department. Great. Which like just getting into that university was a privilege. Like they would call you the moment that you would enter that university they would call you a master in in mm. the town so mm. just carrying that idea of that university and um i got into that department i didn't know why i'm there because again my friends were encouraging me that if you finish this department you will be accepted they de definitely most of the people would get accepted from high institutions like nasa would accept them as as head engineers or scientists but it was beginning of third year that i decided this is not the right school for me and i decided to drop out of that school which was a shock for people around me i bet yeah just getting into that university these were like the first thousand students of the rankings would get into that university and we're talking about the country of like 70 million people for me to make that decision and getting out of that university was a shock for everyone to witness like what what i'm doing they to them it looked like a big mistake yeah but i got out and i started getting deep into uh, preparing for fine art school which had a preparation and exam that you needed to be basically good at drawings and sculpture so the exam had two different versions to it and I studied for for a year and then I got into the art school basically that's where I felt that I'm at the right place mm, that's good right? it shows <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, and you know, it's, I had that background of art in my family. My dad was an amazing calligraphist and he would always like paint these beautiful portraits next to these like magazines and newspapers. Mm. And my brother had amazing talents of drawing and, and painting. So that's where I dive deep into the art and I did my bachelor's degree in, in art in Turkey. And I was in the middle of my master's degree when I came to the United States. That's cool.
Hi, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. I thought I'd take a minute to sing you a little song. Dr. Quiet, she is yin. Know how she loves to bring energy in. She teaches you how to rest so your energy is always at its best. Hey! And I want to tell you a little secret. You know how I support Dr. Quiet? I use Organifi Gold, and it does some magic to help you sleep deeper and restore better so you can get up and be a freedom fighter first thing in the morning and all through the day. And I got Drew Canoli, who created the product right here, right now, to tell us why it works so well. Drew, what's so unique about Organifi Gold except the fact that my kids won't stop asking for it? I love this song. Thank you. And I think if we were DJing this, we would do Rishi. Because Rishi, full spectrum, eight to one, beta glucans, knock you out. The queen of mushroom. Rishi is one of the most powerful things we can put in our body, especially at night. Helps restore, revitalize, great for the liver. So while we sleep, not only are we restoring and repairing the cells, but we're detoxing in the most effective way possible. Yes. And it doesn't have to taste bad. In fact, it could be something you crave. Yeah. And that's Organifi Gold. It tastes like Autumn had a baby with a marshmallow. Every time I have it, it just knocks me out. I've literally tracked it with my whoop, my aura ring, yeah. and it adds another hour to an hour and a half of deep sleep. That's great. Ram and deep every single night. You know what's also really cool? Rishi is a wise man. Mm. It's not only the name of a mushroom, but a Rishi is a wise man. Oh, true story. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's absolutely true. I'm not so, pulling your leg. And how much wisdom have you and I gained from night school? A Dream lot time. of wisdom. Yep. Yes, and you gain a lot when you can't sleep. You go, what am I doing wrong? And how do I get it fixed up? So, hey, you know, one time when I was visiting you at your house, you made me a gold, Organifi Gold as a hot tea, and I'd never realized you could make it hot. It's the best way. And I was like blown away. I'm like, wow, this is incredibly good. It tastes like dessert. Mm-hmm. But it, unlike most sweet things, if you take sweet stuff at night you can't sleep very well and it jacks you up but this stuff was just so relaxing and so amazing i was like wow this is incredible and i know you're allergic to coconut yeah right so but what i like to do and this is when i'm being bad you see there's a much bigger cannoli than the cannoli you see today i I would eat ice cream and all kinds of comfort food because i'm from michigan Uh but one thing that put my cravings in check i take a little cocoa whip yeah i put it on top of this golden tea okay it is the best drink at night you could ever have it's amazing I'm intolerant. I'm not allergic. So I did That's try it, it. It just makes me feel stressed. But I found that, you know, if I don't overdo it, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to have everybody try Organifi Gold because we all need to sleep deep and pay attention to what our soul tells us while we dream so we can work together to mm. make this world a beautiful place for everybody and get our freedom back and get rid of the toxins in the government and other things we need to do. And now, for a limited time, Organifi Gold Pumpkin Spice is back. All the goodness of regular Organifi Gold with the flavors of fall. Pumpkin, cinnamon, nutmeg, and allspice. Go to Organifi.com forward slash check 20 and use the code check 20 to get 20% off your order of Organifi Gold Pumpkin Spice. That's Organifi.com forward slash check 20 and the code is CHEK20 to get 20% off your order. Sleep well. How did your skills in martial arts, shamanism, and some of these other things evolve? So, I mean, in early age, I was kind of encouraged to get into martial arts 
at the time it was more of a sense of like getting the confidence of being like you know strong and in society which was very male dominant mm -hmm. and to kind of protect myself and and strengthen myself i didn't know exactly why i always gravitate into it but I studied Budokai, uh, I, I uh, extensive training in Budokai, um, full kickboxing and Kyokushin karate. And I continued Kyokushin karate when I was in Turkey. Mm. So that was something that I continued working on and developing. But I wasn't fully aware of the, the depth of the martial arts till I was fully open to spiritual practice and right. an understanding of the depth and and the reasoning behind martial arts and how it can help the development of of, of a child and and discipline them and bring them certain levels of respect and and uh, knowing of their power and abilities right how did your orientation towards shamanism and your expertise on related medicines evolve because that's another field you seem to have penetrated quite deeply that didn't arrive till you know it was my grandmother's transition that i mentioned mm. uh, and after that i went through a deep depression it was not just because of that it was like my dependency on alcohol right and uh, use of cannabis mm. and i was numbing something yeah. So I wasn't aware of like uh, throughout my development, I was like kind of kind of running away from a truth of understanding or of not facing my true self. Mm. So it happened after that period of depression. I went through this spiritual awakening, and I was connected to plant medicine. And right there, something was awakening inside me that showed me my path. Mm showed me all everything that I had gone through throughout my childhood, every person that I have encountered. It was like the first time I like had basically came across plant medicine, like it opened the door of my understanding about myself, about my past and, and glimpses of the, uh, what are the possibilities of the future. What was the first type of plant medicine you got exposed to psilocybin mushrooms oh good yeah they're they're always yeah. magical yeah that's the magic mushroom yeah. yeah yeah that's very very interesting tell me more about your plant medicine experiences and you know because you've got a lot of knowledge i know that was just the beginning take us on your journey yeah so i mean the start of it was basically we went for a, a camping trip and one of my friends had brought some mushrooms with. And, <laughs> Good <know>, friend. Yeah. <laughs> and I had never experienced prior experience with, with the mushrooms. And it was like, a, it was like, I guess, five or six of us in, in that trip. And we were camping next to the ocean. And um, so we made a tea out of it. And uh, we had a, like a cup of that uh, <laughs> mushroom. And... I just right after I was like called to go for a walk. So I went for a walk and I sat in this pile of rocks that was next to the water. And I sat in the middle of these rocks and I looking at them with fascination. Like, of, like it's the first time I'm seeing rocks in my life. Did they talk to you? <laughs> yeah, they were like looking at them. It was like, wow. Like it felt like I found a pile of jewels or something. I have powerful experiences with rocks. 
you know, you know me and rocks, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the thing too is the plant medicines really opened up my connection to the spirit in rocks and made it so that I could connect to the spirit without the medicines in me. And I think that's one of the most important things don't people don't realize is that the medicines take you to states of consciousness that show you that you're capable of these things. And for me, that inspires the practice of going back there without the medicines. I think that's what a lot of people miss. They keep relying on the medicine, but they don't activate that consciousness within themselves. The reason I asked about the rocks is because, you know, rocks talk to you. They're, yes. They tell you what to create out yeah. of them. They're, they're, uh, you know, they're pretty damn magical. You know, people forget that almost everything in the universe, you know, at least on solid planets, other than the gas stars and things like that, are made of rock. I mean, yeah. we're, in a, we're in a universe that's really built on stone. Mm-hmm. So spirit is heavily woven into stone. In fact, you could say matter is spirit moving slowly enough that you can interact with it. So people forget that... God consciousness is creating from stone too, yes, yes. you know. But anyhow, forgive my intrusion. Continue. I'm enjoying your story. Yeah. So yeah, that's what happened, and and then I just was sitting there with fascination, and I'm listening to this voice inside me, and it told me to just go back, and I went back to the to the teapot that we had made the mushrooms. <laughs> of course and, you did. And, and I got the whole leftovers of the solid mushrooms oh, inside the, and I ate the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whatever it is, is talking to me and I I'm like, I was very comfortable with the energy and what was flowing through me. Yeah. And uh, the environment that we were in, it wasn't the most like quiet and peaceful environment and, and I, I'm a paddleboarder too. So I got my paddleboard, the voice came inside me. I got my paddleboard and I got into the ocean right after that. And I went, like I kept paddling and I found this, like I'm in the middle of the ocean. I mean, barely can see the, see the shore and lay down on, on my paddleboard and that's where the medicine fully kicked. Mm. And I'm laying down on the paddleboard and brought my whole life in front of my eyes, like from my childhood, everything that I went through like, and the, the situation that I'm in and the glimpses of the future and what is my role. And I was like so fascinated with the whole thing that is happening. It felt like all my life I was waiting for that moment of this yes. molecule coming and, and helping me. I was like, yes. what I was waiting for, like, where, where were you? I, <laughs> I know like, that feeling. <laughs> I know that feeling well. It's, it's really magical. Yeah. Deeply spiritual. Yes. Continue. <laughs> so I, I was like, you know, standing on my paddleboard and screaming to the skies, like, oh my God, like, this is amazing. <laughs> and I had amazing, at the same time, like, my correlation, my balance was like something that I had never experienced before. You know, it was like, I could feel my toes like working through these waves mm-hmm. and like, you know, paddling in the ocean when it's the water is like wavy. It's not an easy thing. And no. But actually the medicine had brought me in such a perfect, pristine like balance and harmony there with the water under me. Right. And uh, so I was called to like 
go back so i don't make my friends worry like, right. like where this guy got lost there and i went back to the shore and here we come like everyone was having a rough experience <laughs> <laughs> that's not unusual either <laughs> they were like they couldn't even walk they couldn't talk they, they were like thirsty like did someone is like playing like a wrong music someone is inside the tent like running away from the crowd so they didn't know what they're going through and here we come like that was my first day at work actually like <laughs> <laughs> i bet they're probably looking at you like how come you're not blown out of your mind yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. you took the rest of what's in the pot <laughs> yeah so you know like right there i knew exactly what to do i went i started talking to them i brought water to someone i took someone out of the tent i stopped the music took someone for walk and the spirit was flowing through me exactly knew what to tell them how to navigate or flow the change the flow of energy mm -hmm. that was circulating and within of like half an hour everyone was like lifted up and everyone was like feeling amazing well good so that was my first encounter with the the medicine and and my role there that yes. it was like completely different the way that was working with me was different than working with others right so right there i knew that this is my ally and mm -hmm. this medicine is here to teach me a lot yes so i got it there i got the message right there and uh, that took me around two years of sitting with myself mm. i would go camp and take medicine slowly slowly with small doses and and within darkness facing my shadows facing my childhood traumas everything that i have gone through and my addictions the source of it and uh, why i'm like battling with all these things and that healing process took around two years mm -hmm. and right around like the time that I went through that process, my brother was called to go to Amazon mm. and work with ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. So he went there and, and stayed in Amazon uh, with this tribe, middle of rainforest. This wasn't like a center or something. This was a, like an old shaman, like in middle of forest that he went there. He went through dieta. He was helping them like uh, facilitate, like holding space in these ceremonies. He went to a lot of medicine journeys and basically that was also a, a part of his awakening to come to his role as an ayahuasquero mm, which he is today right yes that's great he his process and him getting in touch with ayahuasca helped me to go through my process of initiation with the medicine so uh, he brought this powerful brew from from amazon and he was initiated into the medicine by that shaman and i knew i need something to 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 initiate me into the medicine mm -hmm. i knew something strong that allows me to step into my full role as a as a medicine man yes so we basically did a, a journey together me and my brother and i was called to take two full cup of like very potent ayahuasca medicine mm. and that took me to like a hell and back you know so <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's too funny yeah. i mean it's funny because we know what that means but it's you know for some people it would probably be a very very scary experience yeah. too scary for them yeah i mean that that type of experience that if you're not meant to do what you meant to 
do you would never ever touch medicine in your life yeah. ever again but right the next day when i woke up like i knew that i'm ready you mm-hmm. know and, and I, i stepped into my role yeah and that was a uh, start of my practice mm-hmm. and at the same time it was still in development so i started working with people around me like the close friends that needed guidance and journeys and slowly slowly built a skill set skill set about depth of shamanism and and how to work with uh, the medicine and i developed my own recipe of the medicine that came through the spirit that basically now it's seven years of strict uh, practice of that discipline mm. which i categorize this medicine as a huma close to yahuma yes so and you know this could be the ancient medicine of the vedic traditions and zoroastrianism and i've been called to work with this particular medicine that carries four elements within it which i just say as the seed of life flower of life within the flower of life is the seed of life fruit of life a tree of life or tree of knowledge and nectar of life. Mm. So these four elements comes together and basically creates this medicine that I categorize it as uh homa. That's great. And you've done some very very deep ceremonies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> tell maybe if you want to share tell them, you know, kind of how deep you've penetrated with these things. So to be exact the it's throughout my practice i slowly slowly built the muscles to be able to dive deep within within the ocean of the mystery mm-hmm. you know i i i can uh, first let me start from there that like one of my other skill sets that helped me tremendously with my medicine practice was scuba diving so at ah. an early age Uh, it was 1999 when i was in iran i i was called to to go for scuba diving which was very rare in in iran because this is a, a country after war there is no recreational diving where i was living there was no water around us but i was uh, at the time i was like a lifeguard in a swimming pool mm-hmm. and this instructor which was a military person like he he was like former f14 pilot and he was trained within us military prior to their revolution he opened this first recreational course of scuba diving no oh. and i was called to to basically go and take this course and you know i i was the seventh like certified like recreational diver my uh, id was 007 that's yeah you told me that i thought that was amazing what a coincidence <laughs> yeah. such a number yeah and this he was like he uh, the practice was on their cmas which is the world on the water federation so he was the instructor for cmas and he certified us and i became a diver under that discipline and then i continued diving and when i was in turkey i in 2006 i be- became a paddy open water instructor mm. and uh, that helped me a lot to f- first of all that was my like a good paying job in turkey that i was able to work during the summer and study during the winter time and at the same time it was like preparation for my medicine work because i see it as almost a similar natures that you take people to the unknown to yes. the to the depths of the, the divine waters. oceans yes 
and you know basically you need to read their energies and be able to have that confidence and knowing that you are going into that and you, they are safe teaching them how to navigate through that to not panic mm -hmm. to how to communicate with each other and uh, basically through that discipline and working i i became a master scuba diver trainer mm. so this one of the highest levels of paddy system that's basically helped me be able to find that courage to dive into the unknown mm -hmm. and, and the depth of the the ocean which medicine is kind of equivalent to to the same energy within the spiritual realm because yeah. you basically are diving into the unknown and the mystery and you know need to know your limits and your boundaries and mm -hmm. who you're diving with what are the limits uh, how deep you can go how much you can stay when is the right time to dive and I used a lot of knowledge and understanding within the school of practice as a foundation for my medicine practice. That's great. Now tell us how deep you've gone. So the deepest I have gone, which, you know, it's everything that I say is not a recommendation for anyone no, to, no, to God, take. No, no, God, no. Yeah, this is, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I, I like sharing because, you know, I'm a guy, as you know, that's gone real deep too. You know, having from our conversations, I'm very aware of how deep that is and and you know you definitely have to be ready for an experience like that or yes. you'll be annihilated by it and I've had to rehabilitate people <laughs> that have tried these things and didn't come home in one piece we can just leave it at that yes yeah i mean uh, my deepest dive which within the spiritual uh, within the uh, you know scuba practice would be identified as a technical dive so there mm. are recreational dives and there are technical dives that you, you need to know what you're doing and it requires equipments and and preparation for it it was 25 grams of psilocybin mushrooms and 3 grams of peganum harmala which for those listening the peganum significantly increases it can even double or triple the strength of the mushrooms yes so, but I prepared for that journey uh, around like six years to be able to take a dive that deep. And I did it on Christmas Day. And the 25 was like, you know, I was guided into that. And basically, I was out of my body for 11 hours. And I was guided to do this journey solo and with no music, just one candlelight. And and through that, uh, my intention was to understand Christ consciousness better and mm. and come closer to, to the grasp of understanding of what it means. Uh, and basically, uh, I came out of that journey. And, you know, my paintings and art is a way of me integrating my ceremonies because yes. it's my personal work and also, you know, my practice of helping others and guiding them through these processes, which sometimes people with uh, different types of ailments so from all different backgrounds of addiction, anxiety, childhood traumas, suicide thoughts. Basically, I use my art as a form of uh, integration of my medicine journeys. And, and that journey took me one uh, exact one month of like working like six hours a day on 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 one piece of painting that I was integrating my medicine journey. I would wake up with this prophetic dreams uh, around 2.22 exact, you know, at mm. night. And I would work all the way to 5.55. And that, those were the hours that I was able to channel and, and be able to integrate my uh, that single journey. Uh, mm, that's interesting. The numbers, the numerology on that's quite interesting. Yeah. Hi, everybody. 
Today, I have a very special, practical, free offering for you. I suspect you know that low back injuries are the most common of all orthopedic injuries, regardless of age, profession, or what sport people play. And a huge percentage of low back injuries happen while squatting. Squatting is one of the seven primal pattern movements I identified as essential to our ability to function well in our home, work, recreational, fitness, or sports environments. Most don't realize it, But the squat pattern is one of the most common patterns that lead to low back injuries. We are using the squat pattern when we get in and out of chairs, on and off the toilet, or engage small children. Additionally, to get in and out of a car requires a single-legged squat with a bend and a twist, particularly if you drive a car that's low to the ground, like a sports car, which is a very complex movement for anybody with a weak dysfunctional core or who has an unresolved back injury from the past, which is exceedingly common, even among world-class athletes. I would love to give you the squat assessment I developed for the students of the Czech Academy so you can identify any muscle imbalances, joint restrictions, or technical flaws that include the need for form correction or corrective stretching, joint mobilization, and specific strengthening. Anybody that wants to heal from back pain, avoid unwanted back pain, enhance work readiness and athletic performance will be well supported by using my free squat assessment checklist. My squat assessment is ideal for any athlete wanting to optimize their performance in the squat. My squat assessment includes three key setup assessments, 11 squat execution assessments, a list of key indicators of muscle imbalances, muscle weakness, or joint restrictions. Additionally, once you've downloaded my squat assessment, you will receive a sequence of follow-up videos that will show you how to use it. These instructional videos are not only highly informative, they are also free. To get your squat assessment form and free instructional videos on how to use it, to its potential, go to chekinstitute.com forward slash squat dash assessment. That's checkinstitute.com forward slash squat dash assessment. I'm sure you'll be amazed how effective this squat assessment is, even if you don't have back pain, and how much it can help you help others. Enjoy. It's funny too, because you and I have come to the same means of integrating our ceremonial work. Yes. Using art. Yes. You know, I studied art therapy for many, many years and basically studied many systems and developed, you know, my own system of art therapy. That's part of the way I prepare people for ceremonies is using art because it tells me what's going on inside of them. Because, you know, as I've told many people, the ego cannot escape from art. It doesn't matter what you put on that canvas or paper, I'm, I can see into it, you know. So it's, it's just interesting how both of us found that pathway mm-hmm. for, you know, anchoring us, not mm-hmm. only for me going in, but also for integration. And God, I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of art. And I know you do too, because I've seen your, your, some of your art. And I know you got lots of it in books and as, as I do. And that's one of the things that we didn't really touch on. Tell us about how you develop your art skills. Cause you're not only is your art very different. I mean, I've, and when I first saw your art, I was pretty blown away by it, but it, it was not like other art I'd seen. I mean, it was extremely technical and beautiful but very different and it carries a lot of deep the any energy i would describe of your art for me with my limited contextual exposure to your culture is i felt like i was in the presence of of very powerful sufi art is what it felt like to me that's where it went in my mind i've studied enough zoroastrianism to to know the concepts but it 
when I first looked at your art, I didn't think Zoroaster. I thought Sufi. You know, I felt like this is something that a, a Sufi master would mm. be doing. That's just how it affected my consciousness. You know, the the other thing that you know you're doing your art freehand, but it <laughs> certainly doesn't look like it. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I'm looking at that piece of art you gave me for my birthday, and everybody that sees that is like, it's hard for them to imagine you could do something like that freehanded. So how did you grow and develop your art skills and, and that very unique style of yours? You know, the so the studying art in university helped me to create a foundation of, of uh, development of like seeing art as it is so that those are the first stages that for example would draw for like hours and end like in live models and just sitting there mm -hmm. and drawing and build those skills and i also had a background with calligraphy which was right. coming from my dad's side and i i studied like two years in in painting and also rest in graphic design so mm. It gave me all these abilities of understanding uh, what are the usages of fonts and, mm -hmm. and shapes and mm -hmm. colors and mastering those skills. Mm -hmm. And But I couldn't, like, you know, it's throughout your development, you still cannot, what you're producing cannot be recognized, in my opinion, as art till you come to that full maturity that your soul is talking. Yes. And that's the time that what you're creating becomes through art yeah and that happened exactly with my spiritual awakening and i would sit down and especially early mornings i would sit down and put my hands on on the paper with no judgment mm. and i would allow the spirit to flow through me and guide my hand and i would just keep doing and without uh, showing it to anyone and i went through all these like many many like books of these like drawings to to build uh the precision and mm -hmm. like the the also the soul connection that is my mind is not the decision maker yeah. actually my heart is the guiding mm -hmm. principles behind what i'm creating there which throughout the year start developing and it start getting a flavor of understanding which you when you mention sufism you know unlike like a lot of people's understanding that they think sufism is uh directly connected to islam but sufism actually is predates islam it's one of only disciplines that actually tie to all the faiths and religions mm. and basically bring all the essence of all these traditional traditions and like uh, wisdom traditions into one single entity mm -hmm. and uh, sufi basically means safi like it's, it's it's like clarity you basically mm -hmm. clear your heart and let the basically uh, light of the divine shine through you it was a natural process of creating and connecting with my you know the the left brain also the numerology and what i had learned through like science and combining them with uh, my um, uh, right side of like creativity and allowing that to to combine with each other and and create a form of art that is unique to my expression unique expression of my soul yeah now you know in in my art that you did for me you wrote in farsi and in, in several of them you write in farsi but you also write in hebrew yes are those the two main languages you put into your art so hebrew sanskrit i use aramaic mm. sometimes english 
but a uh, law of numerology and sacred geometry yeah. that goes into it. That is the only way that I can translate my experiences in, into, into a form of art. Mm. What's your dream for your art? <clears throat> you know, me and Jason, many, many people listening will know who Jason Picard is, who I connected to you. And he, he, um, he and I are both looking at your art going, this is like, worth a lot of money if especially when people when you finally do release it out to the world because you've been kind of waiting for the right time i've been blessed to see it and it's very powerful i've been blessed to be in ceremony with it which is very powerful it's quite an experience what's your dream for your art my ultimate dream would be to use these artworks as a portal of understanding and be used in ceremonial spaces uh, for people to to open the door to a depth of those con- levels of consciousness mm. and connecting to all different aspects of these traditions, which are my goal of creating these arts to bring harmony and unity between all these traditions, which I see it as a, like a, um, you know in the world we, we there's so much separation and yes. segregation between mm. them, and they they see it as mine and yours, but how I'm seeing it is that they're all pointing at one direction. If you can look at it at the right place correctly, they are pointing out at this same message. And uh, my goal is to bring that understanding to to the collective that these are all different ways of divine message and translation. And the, at the end, it's it's all about union and unity between us, not separation or one is better than the other. Right. One of the things I love about your art is even though I cannot read Sanskrit, Farsi, Hebrew, and you know all the things you put in it, it's, I'm going to share an experience that I have when I'm looking at your art, especially in ceremony, because I have the same thing with music, because I have a lot of music from foreign countries, and I don't know what they're saying, but I always understand it by just emptying myself. You know, I'm very visual inside, so I'm, I'm clairvoyant, so when the music's playing, images come to me and I've gone and then investigated and like looked at the words and, and, you know, used, got someone that knew the language. So what is this saying? And sure enough, my visions are always what it's, it's speaking about in, in the music. And when I was with your art, the times I've been with it, even though I don't understand what it's saying, it's, it speaks to me, particularly in my heart, but in, inside my whole being. And it's as though somehow, even though I don't, understand the language in my left brain it is though it is a universal language it's it's your art is producing a vibration a resonance a frequency that seems to have a very harmonizing effect on my psyche and probably anybody's that I mean, every one of my friends that have seen it all felt it even my children felt it so i think that's very beautiful and very interesting now because i know what's going to happen after people hear this podcast there's going to be countless requests to see the art they're going how come you didn't show us any of the art so maybe we can talk about that you know when are you going to make the art available for the public to see and is there a reason you're waiting to make it public 
You know, it's a process that I've spiritually I've been guided to to work. One of the things, for example, I'm working while I'm producing these arts is these 99 pathways of the divine within the Sufi traditions that when I bring it to an art is a process of completion within my own psyche and mm. understanding. The reason that I haven't shared it yet because it interrupts my process of growth and, you know, the, the comments or or the views sometimes it disturbs my flow of um, being able to bring them to to, to physical reality mm -hmm. and uh, it's a process that i feel like it's almost there to 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 come to completion i i have like other than the small drawings i've been working on these big works of like the massive canvases like uh, and i i've been called that is the uh, 19th work is going to be the completion that that finally I come to the point that I'm comfortable to be able to release it as as a piece because they're all telling a story. So if I was going to share it beforehand, almost the story wasn't complete. It would be like publishing a book before it was finished. It, yes, exactly. Yeah. So you said you're you're there's 19 pieces yeah. and then you'll unveil it cuz yeah. you're right, some of them are big. I mean they're you know, think of a blackboard in a school, listeners and they're big like that. And when you look at it, the first thing you think is, how on earth did he do that? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I see that every day, and I ask that. How in the world does he do that? And uh, it's so it's, uh, I can't wait for all of you to be able to see it when he unveils it, because it will be, you won't need the mushrooms, I promise <laughs> you that. You just look at the art, and, and you'll get a powerful, powerful experience that will affect your soul. The, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is a, it's a shift in, conversation but because of your background and and because of you know what i've learned by being with you and who you are and your life path and because of what's going on in the world i wanted to ask you you know as you're surely aware we're in a generation of what uh, leonard sachs md has labeled the lost boys young boys and young men who are not becoming men you know there's a huge epidemic of young men that just don't want to work and they have lost their interest in women. And I've heard uh, a number of interviews with Leonard Sachs and read his books and they contain a lot of f uh, commentary from women who have had really a lot of frustration dating men. They, they go out with them and they, want, they, they don't want to do anything. They've got no sex drive or they they're all just want to play video games and watch television. They want the women to pay for everything they, they basically want the women to be like their mother um, the, the women get very frustrated because they feel like they've got a child instead of a man a lot of them are not doing well in school while at the same time girls are something like 60 percent of all the students in universities worldwide are now women the, the grades amongst the men is dropping down quite bad while the women are actually almost i would you know this is my own phrase but they're almost like becoming addicted to education and it's almost like the women are being pushed into this masculine role because of the lack of men. And so I'd love it if you can share your thoughts on the ways working with martial arts and having a martial arts master and mastering a martial art could help these and any other thoughts that you might have as to why you think this is happening and what we as citizens as parents or even those young men listening that might fall into this category can can kind of heal and you know i think it's a dangerous time to not have men in our country because without men you have nobody to do the hero's journey and protect 
the rights and the freedoms of the people. You know, all native tribes, you had to go through an initiation to become a warrior to protect your tribe. And we don't, we don't, we're, you know, we're, we're coming to a, a dangerous place where you've got all these feminized men going into the military that just want to play video games and the standards of fitness have gone down tremendously in the military. I was recently talking to a, a friend who was uh, visiting a family member who was in the 82nd Airborne Division, which, you know, I used to be in. And they said to me, Paul, you know, what was really shocking is how many fat paratroopers there were. And I'm like, yes, I was, you know, I got out of the 82nd in 1986, so it was a lot less of a problem then. But I used to be frustrated because I went to be with the badasses and, and they actually put me in charge of taking care of what they called the fat boys. So I, you know, I had to whip these guys into shape and I did a, a really good job of it. But it's like now almost all of them are that way and the standards... And even while I was in there, we're talking about having to lower the, the fitness standards because people were going unconscious all the time. And it's just like, it was just like a degeneration of the masculine culture right in front of my eyes. And it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. So, you know, because one of the reasons I want to ask you this, one, you're a very skilled martial artist. Two, you're an unusual guy because you've got a quite a nice balance of male and female energy. I mean, I spent enough time around you you know, there's no question there's a shitload of fire hiding inside of you, but you present yourself very, you're the guy that would, you know, carry a bag of groceries for any woman who needed help, and you have a lot of love in you, and you're you're soft in your presence. So you've kind of got this beautiful balance of yin and yang, or water and fire in you, and, and that's a very rare comp. Took me a long time. I'm still working on that myself, because I have a lot of fire in me, you know, so I have to kind of watch myself so I don't become too aggressive with people or too warrior-like. So for me, you're a good example because I, I can see where I could grow to by being with you. Point being is I think you've, you've you know, you grew up in a war-torn environment. You, you obviously know what men is because the warriors from your neck of the woods are quite famous for being plenty tough. You know, you, to, to do the depths of medicine work, you do. And I mean, I know from my own, you, you have to have a pair of balls. I mean, let me just put it straight up. You can't, this is not, I mean, this is, as, it's every bit as dangerous as a battlefield. You know, it's the same kind of alertness because I'm trained in that and, and it helped me, you know, all my battle training and all my intense boxing, kickboxing, kickboxing, motocross, racing, etc. They gave me the strength in my ego to be able to handle the intensity of the dissolve and not lose my composure. So I just, I just felt like I had to ask you this question. I mean, what do you see looking out at the world and, and what are your, what are your thoughts on how this is happening and what to do about it? Yeah. I mean, how I see it is that, you know, with the lack of tribal culture and the tribes in old days, like men would be obligated into these rite of passages and I see, like, for example, for women, uh, that naturally happens throughout, uh, you know, their, like, um, birth. Like, mm -hmm. when they are able, yes. they become pregnant. That's the rite of passage by itself. So, it pushes women naturally into that stepping into the motherhood. Mm -hmm. But for men, that doesn't happen naturally. So, it, it needs to happen with the help of the society. You mm -hmm. almost, like, need to push them into their, to step into their 
adulthood yes and that's lacking in the society and i see like there are, they can be different forms of disciplines or practices that can push men into into their to step into their adulthood and and not be these uh, uh grown up little kids walking around and uh, chasing toys around yes so, <laughs> chasing toys instead of women <laughs> yes so i mean the martial arts could be one avenue uh, and i see it can be both harmful and beneficial depends on like what is the goal behind it and mm -hmm. also uh, important thing there would be pro probably the 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 master that mm -hmm. they are training with that yeah. what the level of integrity and respect they are carrying there and what mm -hmm. they are teaching these children and how they carry them so as as a teacher um so if it's done for like raising your ego conscious mm. and strength to kick someone yeah. it's gonna be actually harmful more than beneficial but if it's uh, in a level of mastery that bring them to discipline and respect for others mm -hmm. and showing it as a form of art that basically develops their physical abilities at the same time the, the stronger they become the more humble they become mm -hmm. you know so they they're not out there to harm others but actually protect others mm -hmm. so and plant medicine is another avenue that i see it's uh, that's one of the reason that is kind of coming uh to to consciousness or to to our uh, horizon in this scale right now is that we need that to to bring us to that basically rite of passage mm -hmm. and plant medicines can be used if you use correctly in the right certain setting be used as a form of um, rite of passage to bring men into their adulthood there's a that's a tricky landscape right there and i'll tell you why because one of the you know you know i've studied this deeply not just the practice of it but the science and the philosophy and the history of it and one of the general consensus amongst experts in plant medicines and i don't just mean um professors and people like that i mean people like you that know what people like stanislav groff and aldous huxley and houston smith and you know some of the real pioneers of this stuff and many others too but one of the things that is very often stated as a precaution is that you shouldn't take people on plant medicine journeys that lack ego because if you don't have an ego you have no sense of how to identify yourself when you fall into the unconscious mm -hmm. due to the effects of the medicine and that it could be damaging to their ego development and it can trigger a schizophrenic experience and i've seen this happen many times i've had to rehabilitate and put the pieces back together so why i, I bring this up is i totally agree with you it can be used that way but wouldn't you agree that that to use that form of initiation would require a very skilled shaman or guide so that you don't end up coming out of that less capable and less with less agency in the world i just want to know your thoughts on that definitely you know so when i mentioned that it's like i, I see it as and one avenue of like going there but it needs to be looked at is with a lot of caution it is not something that you can look at it lightly so definitely it needs to be you need to think through it that like why you're stepping there who you're stepping there with like what is the like the true intention of those people guiding through that process 
but mm. if it's done correctly at the right age and you know with uh, enough skill sets it could be a tremendous help for 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 uh, opening um, or expanding someone's consciousness to to come to their full power and and strength and connecting them to their higher self hi everybody I am so excited to tell you about Wild Pastures' amazing meat delivery service. They have beef, chicken, pork, and wild-caught fish. My family and I have been enjoying their meat for quite some time now, and I just couldn't wait to tell you about it any longer. We had an amazing barbecue this weekend, and I'm still high off the meat. And they use a whole network of regenerative farms, which means that you're getting a different ecosystem from each farm, which means a different nutritional profile, which means nutritional diversity which means health and vitality, which is exactly what we need right now in the world for ourselves and our families so we can all make a difference in the world. And Matt Smith's going to tell us more about this amazing company, Wild Pastures, about their offering and how you can get it. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much, Paul. And I'm excited to tell your listeners what they can get today and how we can help them out. So, you know, as you know, pastured meats are crazy expensive. And so our goal with Wild Pastures is to tap into this network of regenerative farmers and to finally create the solution of where we can get the highest quality meats delivered straight to your door for the most affordable prices around. And so we're on average seeing that we are 40% cheaper than any other delivery option out there. And that our customers have reportedly saved, on average, $1,000 on their grocery bill from meat alone. And so Wild Pastures is a regenerative meat delivery service that is solving this problem. And you can get 100% grass-fed and finished, as well as pasture-raised pork and poultry and wild-caught seafood from Alaska delivered straight to your door. So it's far more convenient. It's far more environmentally friendly because we're using regenerative farms entirely. We don't use feedlots ever. So the, the nutrition profiles are way better. You can definitely taste the difference. I know we were talking about this on our uh, just before we hopped on. You having a Father's Day barbecue and, and how incredible the pasture-raised chicken and beef short ribs were. And you can really taste the difference, right? I'm and still so, high. <laughs> and so our goal is to remove the roadblock from people's minds that if they want to eat healthy, it's too expensive. And so that's where Wild Pastures comes in is we are delivering with our own fleets of trucks whenever possible. We haven't raised our meat prices in over three years at this point. And we're really just creating convenience for the consumer and kind of being the high tide that rises all ships. If we can opt more people into a system like this, the cost stays down for everybody. And so there is a myriad of benefits that go into that. And so today, if your listeners want to try Wild Pastures and taste the difference and experience what it's like, go to wildpastures.com forward slash Paul Check or click the link in the show notes and save 20% off for life, plus get free shipping for life plus get $15 off your first box. That's a mind-blowing deal. I can't even <laughs> imagine. I mean, I've never heard of an offer like that. And, you know, most people will hear an offer like that and think, this can't be that good. But I'm telling you, it's not, it's not only that good, it's really good. Or I would not be sharing this on my podcast. I think everybody needs to get a hold of Wild Pastures for their family, for their vitality, for their longevity, and for the future of this planet. So thank you guys very much. So Matt, Matt, just repeat the website again. Sure. Just go to wildpastures.com forward slash Paul check or visit the link in the show notes and get 20% off for life plus free shipping for life plus $15 off your first box so you can try it. You'll be glad you did. I'll give you an ex example from my own life of something that I 
know happened because it was my best friend that it happened to. One of my buddies, who was a world-class motocross racer, I used to travel with him and race motocross. He had an older brother, two years older than him, and his older brother could get up to some pretty silly tricks. And one day, his mother had made tuna salad with lots of onion sandwiches. And so he thought, hmm, this is going to cover the flavor of these mushrooms. And he loaded his brother's tuna salad sandwich up with magic mushrooms. Well, about three o'clock or so that afternoon, the fire department ended up at the school, and my friend was on the roof of the school on top of the gymnasium, about four stories up in the air. And he thought he was Superman, and he was going to jump off the building because he thought he could fly. And so there's an example of when you don't have enough ego structure to differentiate, because you know you can get spirits talking to you, and, and you can get dark spirits talking to you. And if you don't have enough grounding and development, I mean, I would imagine he probably ended up on five grams of mushrooms or something, right? And he'd never yeah. done it in his life. So here he is, you know, a 10th grader standing on top of the school and they had to shut the whole school down and get the fire department and bring the huge ladder up and come get him down. And it was a big deal, right? It really caused a shit storm. And so these are the kinds of things I don't think people realize can happen. So I'm saying this uh, because I do agree with you and I, I think, but we lack systems for that, mm -hmm. you know, and there's, as you know, where those streets are now just swimming with every kind of psychedelic and designer drug and crazy shit out there and there's a lot of people getting all fucked up to put it bluntly so i would refer people back to my podcast with hamilton souther because he's got a center in the amazon mm -hmm. where he does this and people can learn this very good and so you know other than my friend hamilton souther there's only a few people that i would trust with young people in that capacity and you do that work. Can people reach out to you for skilled guidance? I mean, because it could even be parents of teenagers and young men that are lost. I mean, my God, I'd rather them be with you than going to a doctor and getting put on all these crazy, toxic, often addictive, damaging drugs. So is that something that you are happy to help people with? Yeah. So, I mean, throughout my practice, this something that I have developed and I, with this particular medicine that I work with, uh, I take people to, to these healing journeys, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's a process that I need to be called to it. So mm -hmm. I do not sit with everyone that reaches out to me mm -hmm. and I need to be guided that is the right process and mm -hmm. the right medicine for them. Yes. And I'm the right guide for them at that time. And at this point, like where I am, I'm mostly sitting with advanced, advanced medicine people. So people to have experience and they want to step into their medicine path. But there are rare cases that I accept to work with people that, you know, they're basically this, their first experiences and, mm. and they need guidance and, mm. and healing work. Yeah. But it's something that, you know, I, I fo follow my soul's guidance mm. and, and I believe that throughout my practice, whoever has been guided to me, which I have sat with over probably 300 people mm. and it's been all amazing results and, you know, and I observe their processes and there are limited people that I can work with and I only do one-on-one -on -one journeys and I don't do group ceremonies uh, and uh, that's the way that I'm able to you know guide, keep, guide it safe. keep it safe and also 
connect with them. I normally look at a three-day process of preparation, one day ceremony and a day of integration and a follow-up with them yeah, through the you process. Have the same sort of model. I, I do the same thing. You know, I, I always let my soul say who I should and shouldn't do, but I've had a lot of people like soldiers that have come back from the Gulf War and have PTSD, people that were traumatized by abusive fathers, um, people that were injured in things like martial arts and sports, most a lot of head injuries. And I've also had to help a lot of young men, sometimes not young, but some, you know, 25 to probably 50. But I've had a number of them, once the medicine opens them up, there's a lot of violence in them. And I've had some pretty days where I had to earn my living. I've had people that, uh, you know, they were getting violent, yes. really violent and, and enough to scare. I mean, I've, I've had, I used to have an assistant work with me and there's been times where my assistant was so scared. She just took the hell off. It's like, she didn't even want to see it. It was so wild. I've also had people with possessions and, and that, you know, fortunately I, I know how to handle those, but most people get scared to death when they see somebody with a possession. Have you come across the challenges of people having to release all this trauma inside of them? Yes. Uh, you know, I've seen it all. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Helps so. to be very skilled at martial arts to be able to control these guys because yeah. I've literally had to, you know, put people in chokeholds and wrap my legs around them so they can't move. And there's been times when I've had like great big rugby players and it's hard work. I mean, some of these guys are 250 pounds and when you get a bull like that going off, my point is, I'm sharing that, you know, this is a lot of responsibility and it's not, you know, I think if some of the, you know, there's one of the trends out there right now, as you know, is that somebody who does a couple of journeys thinks they're a shaman. The next thing you know, they've got people, you know, going into their unconscious and, and this kind of stuff comes out of them and dangerous things can happen. I'll give you an example. I uh, I won't mention where it happened or who, who was initiating the ceremony because they're quite famous and I don't want to do that to them. Although sometimes I feel like it, but one of my students went to a ceremony, which with, with you know, lots of people and the person running the ceremony wasn't containing these people very well. And she was on a whole bunch of mushrooms and she ended up uh, goofing around on some really steep cliffs in a foreign country and fell off the cliff, broke her back, broke her leg in several places, severely uh, concussed herself, almost killed herself, and I ended up getting a call from a foreign hospital in an emergency because she was afraid to even let them operate on her because she was in a kind of a, you know, not a place where there's real good hospitals and things. But it was being run as part of a group that, you know, people joined and spent money to be there. And so there's there's a lot of stuff like that going on out there. So I think it's just important for people to realize that you know, it, it's becoming kind of almost in vogue to go do a plant medicine ceremony and everyone thinks it's the coolest thing, but they, you know, they have no idea what they're getting into sometimes. So um, I think it's very important for those of you listening to find someone like Hamilton Souther and Yehuma. There's a very small number of people I trust out there, but you're definitely one of them because, you know, I've, you know, you know, I've shared some of my clients with you. So, and I've, I know you know what you're doing because I've done ceremony with you. So I just think it's important for everyone listening to keep your head on straight. This is this is not party tricks. 
This is not just getting high and going to yeah. a concert. This is like serious, real growth and development work, and it requires a very skilled guide. So thank you for thank you. offering that to people because it makes me feel good knowing that someone like you is out there doing this work because it's, it's very important work. And, you know, it's like, it reminds me of something Terrence McKenna once said. You know, people were asking about, can you use plant medicine for legitimate spiritual development? And he said, well, you can sweep the monastery floor for seven years or you can do one hit of DMT. <laughs> and even though that's true, that one hit of DMT might, you know, turn you into a yeah. schizophrenic and <laughs> ruin you for the rest of your life too. So you've got to also be careful. But yes. So there's a real opportunity for accelerated spiritual growth and development. I don't think you can accelerate in spiritual growth and development without someone who's already spiritually evolved to guide you because there's a, there's a lot that has to be processed in those experiences you know, to uh, mention something about, you know, these journeys, again, I want to reference the, the scuba, scuba diving. Right, uh-huh. You know, there is, it's, it's not, you don't take your, like, with no experience or no expertise, you don't just take equipment and just dive into the ocean. No, you so get killed. You can, it's very serious, like, injuries and what you can cause yourself. But at the same time, if you're at the right place with the right guide, Mm-hmm. With the right equipment, understanding of your limits and boundaries and what depth you can do, what conditions you are diving, yes. what day you are diving, and what is around you, and that can turn to an amazing experience. And the yes. same thing goes with uh, these uh, medicine ceremonies, that it's not just what you're taking, it's what is your intention behind it, what is uh, the place that you're holding these ceremonies, mm-hmm. what is the energetic field around you, what are mm-hmm. the people that are around you. Yeah. What is the music that you are feeding your soul when you are in that open state of like consciousness? Yes. So all these, even the day that you are holding that ceremony, energetically, mm-hmm. which planets are you working? Right. With? Astrological influences. So all these comes together and make it a like a beautiful ceremony that is almost look at it as a art form that you, as as someone as a shamanic practice, someone needs to design and and artful as a as a piece of art of a ceremony that someone comes out of it with a lot of fruits and that that they can integrate into their process yeah which you have to put in thought all those things together to to be able to get the most out of it one of the things i wanted to ask you is we've touched on this a little bit but i want to ask this question very directly what are some of the pathways to your own spiritual development I mean, you've obviously, I mean, you and I have shared books and talked and we've read a lot of the same books and, you know, you're much more into the sort of the Middle Eastern approach to spirituality. I've studied a lot, but I'm not Middle Eastern, you know, so my study will never be the same as you living in that mm-hmm. culture. I, it's There's just no way to, to make that connection. I do love a lot of Middle Eastern spirituality. I mean, I really think it's cool. Uh, I don't mean that in a slang. I mean, it's like, it's really powerful. I mean, reading one of my favorite poetry books, I think I showed it to you, The Drunken Universe. Mm-hmm. Just a mind-blowing book. I mean, you can you can have samadhi experiences just reading that poetry. I, I can't remember where I found that book, but when I read it, it blew my mind. And it's, a lot of it's Sufi masters and Middle Eastern mystics, and, and it's like the depth of these people is just unbelievable. I mean... And their poetry, I mean, I've studied Rumi, as you know, for many, many years. I've got the, a lot of Rumi over there. I've got thousands and thousands, probably, I wouldn't doubt if I have 100,000 poems in different books, and I've got his whole collection there. Could you share more about some of the stages you went through in your own spiritual development and how you developed your own 
what I would call spiritual living philosophy. And if you could describe what is what is it your your sort of inner story that you tell yourself about life? You know, the world's going yeah. into some crazy times right now, obviously. So how did you build your spiritual philosophy? I mean, we, we've heard about your mother, your father, your grandparents, so that's obviously an underpinning. But certainly, I know from all the books you read that you've done some work on your own. There may be other people that you studied with. So how did you put the blocks together? And if you could synthesize what your worldview is because of that, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, what basically put together the foundation for my medicine work was learning from the masters within our tradition for example the first teacher that i would recognize as a as a spiritual teacher was omar khayyam which he was born in 1048 mm-hmm. so and that was the first book that my dad basically gave me when i was like five five isn't, isn't he a sufi master uh you, you can categorize him as a Sufi. Some people call, I mean, categorize him as a Rend, which is a different categories of a mystic. It's, it's a, he was a polymath. So, and his poetry is like a less of a known, like of, of his science background and like astronomy. But basically when I was a kid, my dad used to read these poetries when I still didn't know how to read and write. And he would ask me to memorize these. And that helped me to, to, be able to tab into the, these levels of mystery that would create the right foundation for me to to for my medicine work. And throughout the years, I I tabbed into different traditions, and I have a study, ex- extensive study of all different uh, religions, from Christianity, Buddhist tradition, Hindu tradition, uh, Islam, and Judaism. And I have understanding of Kabbalah. And Sufism would be probably my core principle of, of my spiritual development, which I see because it connects me to all different faiths. And Hazrat Inayat Khan is one of the teachers that I used a lot to, to be able to create the right foundation for my spiritual practice. He's an amazing human being. I wish he was still alive. Yeah. And Paramahansa Yogananda mm, was yeah. like I like w- beginning of my spiritual practice. I went through all his works and talks and essays, mm. which helped me tremendously to to be able to have an understanding there. And Rumi, like I've been studying Rumi to an amazing teacher, which he's been basically studying Rumi for past fifty years. Is one of the highest scholars of of Rumi teachings in the world living right now and i've taking his courses of rumi's interpretations of masnavi mm-hmm. uh, i've done over probably like 200 classes of that that's but great it uh, definitely together with my spiritual uh, in medicine work and studying these masters helped me to be able to integrate my own process and also come to deeper understanding of what is the depth of the mystery that's happening and and or, or what is the the higher purpose of of human beings on earth what have you concluded so i i see that the birth of the creation as as love you know i'm able to step back and and see the non-duality and and see 
the the roles that everyone play within this game and the roles that are important for example the dark roles and the light roles you know that mm-hmm. and everyone's playing their own role and then you choose your role and you stick to what you believe is the truth and it is to me it it is like a movie mm-hmm. that it is being orchestrated and you shouldn't be caught in into that movie because you're at the core level the soul is is purity and goodness even mm-hmm. with the darkest with mm-hmm. the with the most uh, horrible people that have came to the to the, to the to to the story of the human development there's still within the soul level there is a level of purity but they choose to play that role mm-hmm. within that timeline for the story to bring meaning to it mm-hmm. because if without that lack of duality the light and dark uh, there wouldn't be any meaning there wouldn't be mm-hmm. any colors you know i i see that by focusing on the positive aspects of the creation uh, i have an optimistic view point towards the human evolution i see that we are becoming better even though like sometimes uh, it looks dark or like we are almost lost but i see that uh, the pains that we go through the mistakes that we go through are the necessary process of our our development and through that we can come to our higher levels of consciousness expanding our consciousness and, and that pain is necessary and those roles as people that we point out as bad people they're actually doing their job uh, and for us to stick into what we believe is the right thing to do and and create this give meaning to the story of life one of the most amazing bioptimizers products i've ever used is biome breakthrough which used to be called leaky gut guardian i can honestly say i use it every single day i have a morning routine i put a scoop in with two fresh squeezed limes i put a little bit of other ingredients that i like in there and i'll tell you what if any of you have read my book how to eat move and be healthy and you know how to read your poops well biome breakthrough makes for some really nice poopy policemen i've got wade here to tell us what's so unique about it but i want to tell you right up front i love this stuff i don't go anywhere without it and i keep a lot of it on hand so i don't run out so wade what is it that's making that product so effective? Well, first and foremost, we have to look at what's happening in the population at large. And Harvard just released an extensive study demonstrating that virtually everyone has some degree of leaky gut. And that means the gut permeability of our intestines is leaking toxins into the system, which are causing immunoresponses. Now, some people that's sneezing or allergies, but then it can move on to more inflammatory conditions. And anybody that's checked out your work understands this. The question is, how do you actually seal the gut so that you can stop this from happening? And we have a partnership with Birch International University in Croatia, where we have a team of PhD scientists working on this. And we've been able to combine a unique product called IGY Max, which is a patented egg-based product that enhances your gut health and reverses the damage that can be done by all these toxins that are leading to leaky gut. But when we combined it with some specific probiotics, they work synergistically together to be able to repair leaky gut in literally hours as opposed to going through an extensive protocol. Now, we can't stop ourselves from experiencing all the toxins in our world or food, air, water, you name it. It's coming from everywhere nowadays. So what we have to look at is, is, well, how do we manage the damage, if you will, that we are taking, even if we're following, you know, the highest levels of, of 
food hygiene and you know conscientiousness. And so what's happened is Biome Breakthrough has been able to be proven in the lab and in folks, research papers will be coming out very soon to demonstrate this. And that's why we've called it Biome Breakthrough. We're able to actually repair and stop the leaky gut from happening with the combination of IGY Max. It's a unique set of probiotics and we're happy to deliver it to people. We're very excited. We can try it. It's a money back guarantee. If you don't feel better, if your poops aren't better, if you don't say, wow, my, my inflammatory conditions in my gut are going down, uh, you get your money back. So it's really easy to get. You go to biomebreakthrough.com slash living40. You'll get put in Paul 10. You get a 10% discount on this and any other products that we supply at Bioptimizers. I can't recommend it enough. I love this stuff. And it actually tastes good too, which is unique. So thank you very much once again for making such an amazing product. I'm really excited to be able to offer it to everybody. Enjoy Biome Breakthrough. I think it's important for the whole family. It seems to me, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I feel like we're going through a worldwide initiation process right now. I think we're being put in a situation where we we either have to become adults and work together and stand up for ourselves and for the planet, or we're going to be... Mm-hmm held by the dark forces yes. in a cage where they can toy with us until we wake up and try it again. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, very important time of human history, I mm-hmm. see it. And the way that technology is expanding, mm-hmm. it's like the speed of that development there is like we don't have much time to mm. to to come to that realization of who we are and what is what is the right thing to do and i believe one of the reasons that the the plant medicine is coming into that to the surface is because we don't have time to keep up with the technology we don't we cannot go to a monastery and sit there for like 30 years to 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 come to that spiritual development right and i see plant medicine as a form of spiritual technology Mm -hmm. that can keep us our speed into the other side of the if you want to categorize it as harmonic forces Mm -hmm. it allows us to expand our consciousness and being able to balance that Mm -hmm. but i i'm very optimistic about the the future of humankind and I, I feel that in, in very recent years, you know, I see that like we are at the year seven right now, 2023 numerology mm-hmm. form. Uh, I see that by by the nine, we come to a very critical point of human development and change in human consciousness. And by 11, we'll be completely in stepping into a new era of uh, human consciousness mm-hmm. that we have never, ever experienced prior. Yeah, and my viewpoint is optimistic. So the future is not set yet, but we, as the 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 force of you know the truth and and goodness, there, uh, I like to see it and put that positive and optimistic view while I'm still working and hustling. Yes, you know, every day. It's not I'm not just sitting there and hoping. Uh, no, that's so. I'm right there with you. You you know what I'm up to, and that's why yeah. I'm tired because. Yeah. I have a real soul urge to, it was interesting, I, I I said, you know, a few months back, just with all the crazy stuff going on in the world and my concern for my children's future and every child's future, I said to my soul, I said, did we know this was going to be like this when we got here? <laughs> and my soul said, not only did you know, that's why you chose to yes. come. I'm like, oh man, yeah. <laughs> kick me next time. But, you know, at the same time, I, I understand the importance of it, and, and it really does give people like us a, a real reason to, 
it puts a lot of meaning to our story is what I would say. You know, we're, we're important. People like us are important to the creation of, I believe, a new myth is being brought in. I think we need a new myth. I think our, our uh, particularly the Judeo-Christian myth, I think is, it was good for its time, but it's very, very outdated. You know, the, the, the dark forces have advanced their technology to the point where um, our myth needs to be upgraded to, to be a counterbalance for that. And so I think, uh, I think your art actually is, I think it's going to open people's psyches to, a, to be able to download their own personal myth, is what I sense quite a lot. You know, what I see, like, my, my view towards, like, working with these arts is that to, to harmonize uh, earth, you know, to, to the, the divisions and the separations and the segregations that has happened throughout these years. So i looking forward to, to see that we come to, to a level of harmony that mm-hmm. uh, we finally understand that we are all part of each other we are the reflection of each other there is one presence of the great spirit working through all of us uh, doesn't matter what color what religion uh, what race you're coming from we are all one we are and the medicine one of the big messages of medicine that brings to you is unity consciousness yes that uh, there's one creation there's one 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 body of 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 creation and we all look like the cells of that body and you know hafiz has uh, one of the sufi uh, teachers has a poetry that you know points out that that is if there is one just one part of your body is in 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 uh, pain the rest of the body is not going to be in in peace right so for us to finally come to that that if we're going to come to that state of inner peace and balance and harmony we need to look at it as a collective form not just focusing on one race and leave the rest uh, behind so every piece of this collective is important to come to that level of harmony for us to finally step into almost manifesting heaven-like experience within the, the this physical reality yeah you know channeling is also part of the work that you do and you know channeling is one of those areas where it really divides people just like plant medicines do and religions do but and i think there's a good reason to be concerned about channelers because there's a lot of junk out there as you know i'd just like to hear your thoughts on channeling because i've experienced your channeling it's extremely powerful and i've even tracked it to see where it was coming from as i've told you could you share why channeling is important to you and maybe if you want to share who's coming through you when you channel because it's a it's quite a profound experience to be with you when you're channeling it's not like listening to Ed, uh, Esther Hicks channel <laughs> uh, what is it Abraham or something like that it's it's a pretty damn powerful experience i mean the first time i was with you it it shocked me i mean i literally felt the environment shift very strongly. Like at first, I got nervous. I had to ask my soul, "Is this safe?" Because there was so much energy coming through you. It was uh, just needless to say. I mean, I'm not an easy guy to knock off center, and I had to check and say, "Is this safe?" And the person that was with us was squeezing my hand so hard, I thought he was like he didn't know what was going down, <laughs> and I had to breathe and check. But my soul told me, "No, it's completely safe." And then the second time, maybe the third time, I can't remember. We were in ceremony together and you were channeling and I thought, I'm, I'm going to go see who's coming through him. And it was quite profound. Could you you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, for me to like give an understanding about channeling, I see that like the soul 
it works as a mirror. Mm -hmm. And the more that you you clear that mirror and uh, what it reflects through that mirror becomes the channel. So basically, it's not the place of the mind. So the mind no. needs to be uh, moved out of the way and then the clarity and, and the depth of the clarity of the whole beautifully that soul or the heart is being polished will be the reflection of that channel and for me like uh, my art is a form of channeling mm -hmm. you know yes. that i developed that was the first level of the practice mm -hmm. and martial arts was like flowing through me and uh, i uh, i'm able to uh, produce these unique expressions of katas and mm -hmm. and you know techniques that is coming through as a form of channel of of creative expression the the form of the vocal channel that i was able to develop it was throughout my practice i guess it was the fifth year that this uh, channel opened up for me and uh, it connects me to the the foundation of the medicine that i work with which i categorize it as homa and it uh, it's it's a form of language that it's what i can trace it is like connects to an old avestan language that it's an extinct language so it's basically it is you cannot trace it back like you know within the documents the, mm, the, there right. is no verbal record of it but how i can see it is is that brings that vibration back which is is the vibration of the magis connects back to to the tribe of mor which were the moran which is Zoroaster comes from and, mm. and this is the old avestan language this language for me works as a form of ikaro for example within the ayahuasca journeys mm. that opens uh, certain doorways and pathways uh, to a uh, new levels of consciousness that normally is not allowed to an uninitiated person so it's a tool for me that i use uh, to remove energies to to move energies to bring harmony and a certain level of balance into the ceremonial space and uh, I'm in the process of like it's it's almost in a form of download that it's is completing itself as it's a very complicated and very very um, deep language that almost like see see it as like one of the foundation of all languages. It has the sounds and expressions that sometimes like even if you want to repeat it back again, it's like very difficult to to make those sounds yeah. and vibrations. Mm -hmm. And uh, I use that basically to, as a form of, as I said, an ikaro within the ayahuasca practice to within which is connected to this lineage of medicine, to be able to help align the energy and harmonize the energy and work it as a tool. Yeah, it's very very powerful and it's interesting. Uh, do you have any thoughts on any uh, warnings or? concepts for others to use to discern good channeled work from not good channeled work i feel like it it uh, requires discernment mm -hmm. and observation so like you know who the person that you go to and their intentions of holding these ceremonies and why they are channeling that it needs to be put into perspective and mm -hmm. when you build that sense of discernment and allow your heart to guide you to 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 people i think it's something that will guide you to right people but it's something that you need to be cautious about it that what is the intention of those channels is it there to navigate or what is the deeper deeper purpose of those things that like why they are doing that and what 
what are they navigating you to or what are they pushing you what is the hidden agenda behind right it? but if it's coming from purity and good essence and and mm -hmm. observing those human beings that are there to genuinely help and open new levels of depth of consciousness for us it is something that we need to appreciate and uh, it's it's a gift to 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 the human collective yeah. that we need to appreciate i i there's a lot of it out there and i've read some some of it i don't read very far because i can see it's just poor quality but some of the ones i found quite good is ibrahim um seth and the law of one are you familiar with the law mm -hmm. of one the law of one i think is just amazing stuff i mean you know I've studied enough to recognize deep wisdom when it's written on a piece of paper, regardless of where it's come from. And uh, I've I've read a fair bit of and listened to on audio. Abraham, Abraham, it is uh, uh, Esther Hicks, and then Seth. And I study the Law of One quite thoroughly, and uh, I've gone through some of them two or three times, just because it's such a powerful. You know, you get a sense of truth inside of you, and I love that these are. <clears throat> often beings that are extra dimensional they've already lived through the human experience so they really know what we're going through i think that's really good one of the things i wanted to ask you about is you know you're you you put a fair bit of work into your poetry you've been you know as you said your father would have you memorize very powerful poems even as a child why is poetry important to you and what do you feel the ultimate function of poetry is in the world and 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 do you feel that's important now for any specific reason you know when you dive into the, the to the mystery it is very difficult to bring it into plain words the expression of the mystery or mysticism is almost impossible to put into to plain words as as uh, as a form of for example basic writing right uh, i see that uh, the only way of expressing the mystery is through art poetry, dance, music. And within the poetry, what it allows you is that you put the mystery, but it is not in plain sight. At the same mm -hmm. time, it has a depth that allows the person, in, uh, depends on the level of their spiritual growth to, to get what they need from yeah. it. And it's not spoiling the, the mystery. Right. And if you look at the, all the mystics and the poetry, for example, from all, all our culture, I see Masnavi is one of the most profound, uh, Rumi's book, um, one of the most pref profound mystical works out there that mm -hmm. is full of mystical understandings. Mm -hmm. But when people read it, that they don't have that spiritual understanding, they just can look at it as a love poem. Mm -hmm. But it, there are hidden messages there that like it, it opens you to that level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. But you need to have that development to be able to see through it. Otherwise, it will be that the veil is closed to your eyes. And I see poetry as a form of being able to say what you want to say without you know, being too direct about it. Yeah. And I use poetry as that form of integrating my process and also say things that I want to say without, uh, you know... Being uh, blatant. <laughs> yes, somehow. It might just be my observation. It might be because of the age that I'm at. But I feel... Correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I, I feel like people are reading good poetry less and less as they get more and more wrapped up in social media and gaming and television it 
concerns me because as I see the world getting kind of dangerously trapped in the left brain, it it needs poetry more than ever, but it seems as though there's very few people that really inspire young people or people of any age to read poetry and to understand poetry. You know, I think, you know, there's, I've, I've known many people that have taken very good university classes. You know, my poetry teacher is my soul. And fortunately for me, Rumi's one of my spirit guides. So if I'm reading Rumi's poetry, I just go ask him, what does yeah. this mean? You know, I'm just curious as to your thoughts. Are you, what do you see? And am I missing something? Uh, or what do you see going on with regard to that? I mean, I can tell from our, my own background and the culture that I come from, the poetry is embedded into to our educational system. And it's within our like New Year uh, resolution. So the poetry is, uh, poetry books is within every household. And um, I see actually like within our culture, young people that coming more into poetry and and actually like maybe I'm the like I just see the optimistic viewpoint and see the positivity. But I see a lot of young people uh, compared to my childhood that they are actually diving deeper into the old mystical tradition and understanding of it and creating art with it and you know you mean in iran though not here oh uh, yeah i mean within our culture because like this here yes here in u.s and also within back in the country do you mean americans or iranians uh, like here the iranians that are living here yeah uh, okay. i mean it's kind of like the the for example singers uh they kind of use those portraits and bringing them back to life and uh, I mean, in our culture, like the poetry is uh, like a huge foundation, mm -hmm. like structure of mm -hmm. our our who who we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, even for the people that they don't follow religion and they don't they they look at it almost hateful uh, way, but they all respect uh, our poets. You know, there's no one that within the household that they would not look at it with reverence mm. and respect. And that's something that kind of brings us all to to one unity. Mm. And how I, for example, see it is that uh, I give you an example about uh, like Islam um, alone. That I see Quran as uh, almost like looks like grains, like it is raw form of a spiritual understanding. And throughout the years within the Islamic Golden Age, all these mystics and poets comes and get this foundation of Islam and they turn it to like flour and they make bread out of it or they make cake out of it that mm -hmm. is more digestible to, yeah. to, to our understanding. Mm -hmm. But for example, I see Masnavi of like uh, Rumi's work is almost is a form of translation of Quran. Mm -hmm. it, because if it wasn't because of that foundation, the Masnavi couldn't come to, to life. So the foundation comes from that basically grain or flour, but Rumi got it and made an amazing bread of loaf of bread out of it that is like like tasty to uh, everyone's mouth you know everyone's like appetite but if the same person goes and read quran they may look at it as like too raw or like mm -hmm. too rigid or they don't understand it and the, the role of the mystics is is in in a way that that to to dive into the mystery or understand the mystery as the way that is not open to others and bring it in the form of art poetry or music that is more digestible to to more of a average or like the the people who who don't have that understanding of of the depth of the mystery 
you know, I know Rumi, of course, was very skilled in the Quran, um, but he also said no man can get to God until he becomes a heretic. Mm. So I think the poets sort of, and many of them have been killed for the things they put in their poetry and say. So it seems to me they've got one foot in the Orthodox world and one foot in a deeper God. Yes. And they're almost like a bridge that allows you to cross, but they don't seem to be, um, most of them don't seem to be caught in fundamentalist concepts. They seem to have digested that and found a way to open the windows of the schoolhouse, so to speak. What are your thoughts in that regard? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I see that the highest scripture the highest of scripture is the scripture of nature. Mm. So the and all the scripture after that are poor translation of that. <laughs> That's good, you know. So and uh, basically uh, to dive into the mystery, uh, you need to have that understanding and connecting to to the essence of the creation, and also use these as roadmaps or basically a form of map that guides you through it. And I, I see that uh, all forms of religion. Uh, as the time being, they went, where they come and how they come, uh, they served an amazing purpose. And later on, they were misused and they translated or they they were used to as a form of institutions to, yeah. to turn it around and control, and control people. Minds. But yeah. uh, if you are able to see through it correctly, you see a lot of truth within it. That yeah. Uh, was very much necessary to bring us to where we are in, in human consciousness. Yes, I agree. Hi, everybody. I know that you're all aware of the importance of vitamin C. There is a mountain of research on it, but not all C is created equally. I love Paleo Valley's Essential C Complex because it is the real deal, bioavailable, and I wanted you to hear right from Autumn Smith founder of Paleo Valley, why their Essential C Complex is so unique and something you definitely want for your family and your children. Autumn, tell us about your Essential C Complex. Well, I was shocked to learn as a holistic nutritionist that 90%, over 90% of the vitamin C on the market is derived from genetically modified corn and then it's processed with highly volatile acids. And so I knew I had to find a better way to get all of the powerful benefits of vitamin C. So what I did was I dove into the research and I found the three most vitamin C rich superfoods on the planet. That's unripe acerola cherry and camu camu and omla berry. And then I just packed them into capsules. And the benefits are amazing because you're not only getting vitamin C, but all of the other wonderful benefits that come from these amazing superfoods. Save 15% by going to paleovalley.com forward slash C-H-E-K 15. That's P-A-L-E-O valley.com forward slash C-H-E-K 15. No promo code is required. My last question for you today is a very important one. What would you share with people that are scared right now? You know, there's a lot of pretty wild stuff going on in the world, and some of it's just not very pretty. I mean, the dark forces are quite strong right now, and any real initiation can be quite scary. I mean, even plant medicine initiations can be quite scary. I certainly know I've found the edges of myself many times, where, and it certainly deepened my relationship with my soul and God, I'll tell you. I couldn't have made it through it without that. I would have probably had a psychic breakdown. I'd just love to hear what 
you would like to say to anyone listening to this podcast to help them through the next several years that we're going to go through some you know interesting times i think we've only i don't think the show's over i think it's just beginning quite mm-hmm. frankly i and i don't want to scare people but i think the first lockdown was just the first act people are like just you know we were up in portland to visit my son this just this uh, last uh, was this summer not too long ago but man there was just uh, you know lean twos and tents and piles of homeless people over everywhere you know and, and previously when i went to portland it was one of the most beautiful places one of the nicest cities to go to very open-minded and the other thing is a lot of places have completely flipped in their psychology san francisco los angeles austin texas a lot of these places were very open-minded very spiritually centered but now they've become the opposite full of what people call the woke people you know do exactly what you're told blah 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 you know the whole story so i'd love you know if you if you if you looked at as 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 the world is right now in an initiation ceremony like a real powerful shamanic experience what are your tips for navigating the next several years you know how i see it is it goes back to personal work that what we see outside is a reflection of something inside of us mm-hmm. the issue with the world is that greed and selfishness has took over and a lot of people are trying to change the world with which they fail to change themselves right you know and i believe as in in personal level what we can do is to work on ourselves mm-hmm. by pointing outside and the issues outside and not looking at ourselves we, we are not able to solve anything right so it's a personal work and rising our vibration and having an optimistic view towards life at the personal level that rises the vibration and i see that uh, to rise uh, raise that vibration is the, the the main level would be forgiveness it is i see the forgiveness as as the core principle of how we can transcend this and by releasing the pains of the past by forgiving as much as we can uh, forgiveness opens the door to to gratitude and through gratitude we are able to experience love and i see forgiveness gratitude and love at main principles of how we are able to pass through this and and st- keeping our, our vibrations high through gratitude and being kind to others to smile as much as possible to 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 don't within the within the depth of the pain don't uh, lose the sight of the the comedy that is happening mm-hmm. because this is this is a form of divine comedy mm-hmm. and and everyone's playing their roles and, yeah. and you know we have chosen t- to play these roles and for us to not uh, identify with the suffering we need to remind ourselves that this is part of what we chose to do and this is part of the process of human development and you know i can give you an example of one of the most uh, rarest and most expensive essences that is available to uh, the, the fragrances is come from uh, agar wood, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, for that essence to develop, the tree goes to disease. Oh. And through basically, and, and a diseased uh, tree produces these hormones and 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 the antidote to to create this powerful fragrance there 
And for us to see that where is pain, where is the thorn, there's a possibility of a rose mm-hmm. to, to grow within it. And to, to see the thorn and know, understand or foresee the rose. And that's the optimistic viewpoint that we can have and be able to transcend through this process, through optimism, through forgiveness, through gratitude, and uh, showing love for, for others as much as possible and empathize with other people's pain. Yeah, Rumi says the function of a broken heart is to let your love pour out. And I think you have to go through the grieving process. You can't skip it or it just haunts you from the inside, you know. I agree with you. We've got to let our love pour out. And uh, we can have empathy for the people that maybe can't see what they're participating in because they're too brainwashed, to Mm -hmm. use a straight, honest term. Um, But at the same time, I think we need to pour our love into the people that are conscious enough to actually have agency and do something in the world. A buddy of mine who I'd love you to meet one day, I should connect you with him by email. Have you ever listened to any of my podcasts with Jonathan Bluestein? No. He's a martial arts master, and he's a really deep guy. He's written several amazing books. And if you're listening, Jonathan, I love you. You're amazing. He was a soldier in the Israeli military. He lives in Israel. I asked him, you know, what does he think is important at this time? And he said, there's three things that are important. He said, one, gong fu, which is develop mastery at something. Mm -hmm. He says, whatever it is, just choose something and focus on doing a really good job and mastering it. And he says, once you've developed mastery at one thing, it makes it much easier to develop mastery at any other thing. And he said, now is the time to develop real mastery at something. So you know the process and how to pull yourself together for something meaningful. Two, he says, tribe, find people that mm-hmm. share your values and, and connect to each other so you have the strength of each other. And three, sovereignty, say no. Don't be violent, but say no when you need to say no because it's your right to say no and stand up for your individual rights as a human being. So I think those things coupled with everything you've just said, I think make a nice package. Yes. And uh, you two are quite similar in many ways. uh, I'm going to hook you up with him. This guy's like Jason. You know, he's got a mind that's very, very powerful. And so do you. Thank you. You got a powerful heart and powerful mind, powerful soul. So that's a powerful combination, which is why I like to have you in my presence. My pleasure. And lift rocks and and thank you for the beautiful music you've given me. The music that you've shared with me is powerful. I used it in a ceremony recently and it really was the people in the ceremony were like blown away by it. I was like, really good. So thank you for that. And I think music, I think also right now is a good time in the world to make music with friends. Uh, you don't need to have musical skills. Anyone can beat a drum or blow air. I think the thing is just really just to get together and make music because I think it opens our heart and strengthens our soul and it's easy to do. And singing, and, you know, all of these things are, I think are, I think we forgot the, the, I think a lot of people have really gotten detached from the simple, powerful technologies that can really harmonize us and strengthen us, like dancing, singing, breath work is, you know, making its presence known, chanting, toning, prayer, writing poetry, doing art. One of the things I teach people to do is start your day with a little art pad and some color pencils and just paint the day you choose to have. Just draw whatever you choose to have. 
and use that as your compass. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to have a sunny, happy day, then whenever somebody's trying to pull you out of that state, just recognize this, this, this is not my plan for the day. So I have to allow you to, you know, be the dark volcano you want to be. And I'm, I'm going to bow out and go be with the sun. And mm -hmm. I think using simple art that doesn't take a lot of time, but expresses what your choices becomes like a compass to guide you through the day. So I think a little bit of art, especially for kids. I mean, my kids love art, you know, and they love musical instruments. And so it's, I think there's a lot of things we can do. I think it's very, very important to get the children off the social media and into these simple technologies and uh, doing it with them. And, uh, you know, my kids go to Waldorf schools and right now they're in a one month fast from, from any kind of media at all, television, everything. Last year when they did that, we noticed, and we, we only give the kids like an hour a day on their iPads and TV and stuff like that, which for most kids, that's nothing. And we did a 30-day media fast, you know, because that's what the school asks of you. And they calmed down a lot. We were like pretty amazed, like, wow, that really, it really let us see how even an hour a day of exposure to games and social media can really wind kids up and make them much harder to handle them a lot harder to get to bed at night. They seem to get caught in that energy of the electrical buzz and whatever they might be putting into the information fields on these games and things. But so anyway, I just think there's a lot of simple technologies that we can turn to. And I remember when I interviewed Ari Hanavar, who uh, is a, she wrote, uh, she did create a, a car, a roomy card deck. I don't, did you ever listen to that one? Yes. And she was, you know, born in the same environment you yeah. were. And she talked about um, how poetry was so essential to their survival in the in that in during the the war, and people would be walking through the streets with bombs going off, and they would be reciting Rumi poetry and Hafiz and people like that, and how it would hold them together. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I think there's a lot of really simple technologies that we've lost touch of because we've gotten so distracted by high tech brainwashing. I mean, you even look. As a parent, I watch even what's on Disney now, and there's some stuff coming through Disney and just some of this transgender and sex, you know, breaking kids' ideas about their sex down and just some stuff that's sickening to me to see, you know, in places that used to be safe. So I think getting kids off of media and even people taking a break from all these games, I've had many students that are just addicted to games and they have a hard time doing their homework and practicing because they're just caught in all these stupid games that they play. So I, th I think uh, there's a few things we can do. So any closing words? I mean, uh, yes, I want you to tell people where they can find out more about you and anything that you're offering, but do you have any final closing comments? Um, oh, you were going to read a, a prayer, weren't you? Yeah, uh, I, I can do a prayer and a poetry for for uh for closing why don't you why don't you uh, tell everybody where to find you and all that so that uh we can close out with the, the prayer and the yeah. poetry so uh they can find me through my website and th that would be yahuma.art y a h u m a dot art good and uh the closing words would be to again connect to 
connect to the sense of gratitude and what is there what are the blessings in your life mm. to to focus on those and and to, by seeing the beauty and the goodness we are able to expand it even more but when we focus on the negativity we give power to negativity yeah uh, you know what i can say is that with everything that is going wrong in the world still we have this uh, choice of live like the like the simplest like in in the even the remotest places we are living or more you know uh, abundance is more than the kings of the past right so the levels of availability of information and music art the connection with other human beings is something in a level that we have never experienced before even the kings of the past they didn't have that option yeah. so just focus on the positivity use it correctly and find that balance within the technology because technology is like for example right now without technology we wouldn't be able to connect with uh, everybody, everybody else so there's a positive aspect about it but if it's gone out of balance uh, you know it can turn against you so mm -hmm. but it is in your hand how much uh, you're using your phone is it your that becomes your life fully or you can disconnect from it and you can go to the nature and you mm. can connect to the simple elements of, of of life or your food or your family or the other uh, species of animals and i believe that it's what we have been given right now is a is a beautiful gift and a chance to expand our consciousness and come to the higher level of uh, human development uh, that we have never experienced before. I agree. Thank you. Thank That was you. great. Thank great. You. Wise words. You ready to yeah. close us out with some magi yeah. wisdom? <laughs> so I'm going to share a, a, one of my poetry. So I'm going to read the Farsi version of it and then I'm going to translate it in English and then I'm going to close with a prayer. Okay. سوی او آیم منی گم گشتم سوی او پیدا کنم خود گشتم سوی او بیند دلم افسانه ای سوی او افسانه گردد واقعی سوی او باشد بقای روزگار سوی او فرجام ما باشد بهار سوی او دیوانه شو مستانه شو سوی او بیخانه شو پروانه شو سوی او اسرار گردد آشکار and here's the translation for it. Towards love I come, I have forgotten thyself. Towards love I come, I remember thyself. Towards love I see a tale like vision. Towards love that vision becomes reality. Towards love is the continuity and immortality of life. Towards love, all endings will become spring. Towards love, lose your mind, become drunken. Towards love, lose your home, become a butterfly. Towards love, mystery will unveil itself. Towards love, paradise will be manifested. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Let's... I think love is the uh, axle of our evolution. Yes. And I would like to do a short prayer and also uh, sending gratitude for to um, Kailash Kokopeli for the opening prayer, Seven Direction Prayer. Thank you, yes. 
And uh, I would like to do a simple prayer, gratitude prayer to close this uh, session. Please do. Thank you, North. Thank you, South. Thank you, East. Thank you, West. Thank you, above. Thank you, below. Thank you, within. Thank you, Earth, for hosting us. We send love and gratitude to every cell inside of our body that is working in harmony to keep us alive. Thank you, water. Thank you, air. Thank you, fire. Thank you, ether. Thank you, Mother Earth. Thank you, moon. Thank you, sun. Thank you, trees. Thank you, bees. Thank you, all sentient beings. Our whole great spirit. We are safe. We are home. We are home. We are whole. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. It was a really great time visiting with you. I loved learning more about your life because I got to pick up on some things that you hadn't shared with me before. So thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed Yehuma as much as I did. He's a very powerful soul, and I feel very blessed to have met him. So thank you, Danny Way, for making the connection. And uh, thank you to all of you. We got to do this together. It's up to us. No one's going to come rescue us. There's no mommy, daddy figures that are going to come wipe your bottom and put money in your bank account and make you feel safe. But we can all do this together. And like Yehuma said, focus on what you're grateful for. Yeah. And look, look at where the love is in your life. And even if you look at your life and you don't find love, just like bees make honey, it's up to each of us to make love within ourselves and share it each day. Thank you, guys. I hope you all enjoyed our time with Yehuma. And I think you got a real good taste of the wisdom that he carries. And I'd like to say thank you to all of you for joining us and making the world a better place each day. It's up to us. I'm excited about it. I try to get my kids motivated to be the change. And I want all of you to join us so that we can celebrate when we make this transformation and know that we did it ourselves. We didn't need mommy and daddy figures and government handouts. We really made it through our initiation and we can feel whole together. We can have a great sense of unity and a great sense of individuality. I think that's really what God is working towards here, uh, or we wouldn't be here doing this. And thank you to my sponsors for your amazing products. Thank you to all of you for anything you buy from the sponsors. A little bit goes to the podcast so I can continue to devote the time and energy and resources it takes to make the podcast. And uh, as you know, nothing that I offer on the podcast is anything but the very best I can get my hands on for all of you. and my own family. I look forward to sharing more with you next time. And I doubt this is going to be the last time we hear from Yahuma. That I can assure you. Lots of love. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Yahuma. You can find Yahuma online at yahuma.art, that's Y-A-H-U-M-A dot A-R-T, where you can browse his artwork and find out more about him. Catch up with Paul on Instagram, TikTok, and threads at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living4d with paulcheck. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and to learn more about the Czech Academy. You can read the show notes and find links to all the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our premier sponsors by Optimizers, Organifi, and Paleo Valley. Our podcast sponsors 
Ned and Wild Pastures, and our preferred product sponsor, Peak Life. Please show your appreciation by taking advantage of their special discounts for listeners. The links are in the show notes. And finally, if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review on the podcast platform of your choice. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. 